We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. It's Sam Adams. We're constantly improving who we are, what we do, and how we brew. We may craft over 60 styles of beer, but it's Boston Lager that has captured the heart of America since 1984. With its deep amber color, caramel notes, and signature hop character, what better to have in your pint glass? Sam Adams Boston Lager. Pursue better. Boston Beer Company, Boston Mass, State Responsibly. Welcome to the Wednesday Rotowire Football Podcast, the College Edition, brought to you by NoHalftime.com. I'm John McKechnie, joined as always by Mario Puig here, and uh, we're looking into Week Three now. You know, we we were able to kind of get past uh, the the sort of desert that was the Week Two slate, uh, where you know the best game on paper was Arkansas versus TCU. Luckily, this week we got that some... game was bad. <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed it, but I mean, I mean, it it was a good football game, but I I I took TCU minus seven and a half, and it's crap. It's a bad game. The game went badly. Yes, and thus it it did uh, not quite go the way we wanted it. But uh, this week, you know, we we got tons of you know ranked matchups, some really kind of intriguing ones uh, to break down. Did anything really kind of stand out to you from week two, though? Anything that maybe like you know week one. We'll wait and see if if this really kind of shows up again in week two or anything else that kind of uh, jumped out at you immediately from last week. Well, yeah, uh, in the immediate sense, if only because it was, I think, the first game of the week, uh, Louisville-Syracuse. Oh, it was uh, a second behind Maryland-FIU, oh, right. of course. That's, uh, <laughs> of course, those are, those are real teams. How could I forget? And uh, anyway, yeah, uh, Lamar Jackson was, of course, totally crazy, and it's uh, – it's kind of hard to be hyperbolic about it. Like it's it's no matter what kind of you know stupid words you would normally go to to make something sound more extreme and crazy than it is. It kind of just 
goes like at a medium salsa kind of thing, a mild salsa True. kind of effect with Lamar Jackson because he was just so crazy fast looking, uh, especially in his cuts. Like, um, like lots of players can, you know, especially like smaller players can stop and go really quick. But like Lamar Jackson does this thing where he like changes directions at a very like 90 degree angle or more kind of thing and uh he he doesn't seem to slow down he seems to actually go faster through the cut and it's right. like he's just a blur and i don't know how he's going to be tackled this year so like yeah the, the florida state game this week is of course uh i mean i haven't looked at the other i, I can't recall any other bigger ones but that one is my biggest game for sure this week yeah and you know to your point about jackson i think if you really wanted to to see his cutting ability sort of just epitomized. Look at his uh, seventy-two-yard run uh, against Syracuse. I Which mean, one? <laughs> uh, th- no, sorry. I was, it's like he's he's, he's had just, one of those. Yeah, probably. He's 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 already up to like twenty-seven touchdowns this year or something. Basically, so, he yeah. he's sco- he he is literally scoring a touchdown once every se- every seven time he touches the ball. Um, that's uh-huh. terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, if he, he there's a there's a play where he's coming around the right edge and. Uh, He's about ten yards downfield, and the the way that he makes the guy miss, it, you know, it's like it's like he basically teleported around the guy. It's just so it's he's outrageous. A, yeah, he has he has crazy numbers both as a and as a passer. Uh, like not to none of this talk about his speed is to minimize that he's done well as a passer too. But right. yeah, he also I, I want to say I want to just guess that Louisville dropped like eight passes of his in that game. Yeah, I think like someone accounted for like uh, well over 100 yards of that were kind of left, uh, you know, by the wayside because of drops. Yeah, so he he could actually have somehow bigger numbers, significantly bigger numbers than he already does, but uh so yeah, Florida State without uh Derwin James is it? Yes. So yeah, they're going to be they're going to be awfully tested by Lamar and and I'm both ways it works. Like Lamar hasn't seen a Florida State like defense this year, so uh should should be pretty you know titanic collision there yeah yeah definitely um i mean and then you know on the other side of the coin you know obviously jackson's been probably the most impressive player in all of college uh, to start the year but you know a couple of teams you know from last week had perceived easy games uh clemson georgia lsu uh even baylor to an extent and none of them looked very good right. at, at least for most of the time i mean lsu and baylor were able to pull away you know just kind of ba- based on the talent alone they were able to kind of just go away from from uh jacksonville state and and smu but i mean clemson and georgia both looked really bad and i think you know last week we we were kind of raising an eyebrow about clemson and how you know maybe maybe Auburn's defense is good enough to where you know they it's not unreasonable that they can s- slow down Clemson, but for Clemson to look like that against Troy, yeah, it's very different. I don't, I don't know. I haven't. I wasn't able to watch that game. I I have to imagine it's part of it's just they weren't really opening up the playbook. But on the other hand, it's like it got really close in a really couple points. Close. So it's like. They couldn't have been that certain that they were safe because they just weren't really. So right. uh, yeah, it's uh, it doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> like it doesn't make any any sense that Deshaun Watson can finish last year something like at that point, uh, even at the end of the year, only like uh, I don't know, uh, like twelve and a half months removed from an ACL repair surgery and throw for four hundred yards and four touchdowns against Alabama and then come back this year and the Auburn game going on the road just week one is always stupid or can be anyway it makes sense that he had an off game but against Troy like he should have been able to do better than he did just like throwing left-handed and it's just it doesn't I have no idea what's going on uh I would imagine Dabo will get it you know more or less fixed but they've they've got to get it together in a hurry yeah and what's frustrating is that we're not going to know you know, anytime soon per se, because Clemson has another cakewalk this week. That they, they got South Carolina State at home, so, or so I mean, we think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe, I guess we did. Maybe think they'll that find about a way Troy. to make this one a, a sweated out kind of thing too. I yeah, just an in-state rivalry of sorts. I don't know, but you know, Clemson, Clemson definitely. Uh, I, I firmly have a red flag on them uh, th- to this point in the season, more so than than most of the other contenders. Because I, st- I mean, I still think that they can do it. But I mean, they really need to. We 
my patience is wearing thin with them. They they need to just boat race uh, South Carolina State with their backups yeah. or something. You know, just kind of make me feel a little bit more at ease about it. But uh, let's get into into the weeknight games uh, kicking off tomorrow night, Thursday. We got a nice American Athletic Conference showdown. We got Houston, kind of the darlings of college football, going up to Cincinnati uh, to face the Bearcats. Uh, Houston seven and a half point road favorites. What are we thinking here? Well, uh, so I can't pick spreads apparently, or at least not anymore. Like I had like a, I think I had like a fifty-five, fifty-six percent on the the bowl game picks the past three years, but uh, I've I've somehow I've gone like over forty to start this year, <laughs> and so when I look at seven and a half for Cincinnati, I'm like, they're gonna lose by more than that. So of course they won't. They're gonna they're gonna lose by like two points. Um, that's, uh, that's what we know will occur based on the first two weeks. Honestly, I, I could kind of see it going that way. I could see C- Cincinnati looked pretty good last week on the road against Purdue. Obviously, uh, Purdue helped them out a lot by throwing five interceptions. Uh, but in Houston, we didn't really learn anything from them because Duke Catalan, uh, was sitting out. Greg Ward was sitting out there playing, uh, Lamar, I believe. So, you know, not a whole lot to be gleaned from that one. All we're kind of going on is from is from the Oklahoma game. Obviously, they're probably not going to be able to, you know, no matter what they want to do, they won't be able to bring that same intensity up to just, a, you know, like a Cincinnati. So I could see Cincinnati really getting up for this one. I could see them making it close at home. Uh, I think that uh, Cincinnati's home stadium tends to have some weirdness, especially like on the Thursday nights. I feel like strange things happen there. So I could definitely see Cincinnati, you know, pushing Houston to the point where like Houston wins by a field goal. That makes sense. I just, I, I really have trouble seeing it because I think a couple things are occurring here. I think Houston is still better than most of us are guessing. And I think Cincinnati's worse than we guess because uh, like they beat, yeah, they beat Purdue by 18 points, but Purdue is so bad. And like t- t- Tennessee Martin had the game tied or they were down by like one point or something right. at halftime in week one against Cincinnati. Um, Cincinnati's running game has been a zero this year. Tian Green and Mike Boone. I had big expectations for Mike Boone because he was awesome. He was one of the most uh, efficient, explosive running backs in the country the last two years. And to start this year, he's not getting anywhere. Tian Green isn't getting anywhere. Uh, I'm not convinced that the receivers are any good. Like their lead guy to this point, Nate, uh, Nate Cole. He's he's been a good, you know, short area and red zone target. Has three touchdowns for them. But uh, I have to imagine even these receivers have pretty bad per-target efficiency through this point, through two very easy matchups. So, I, I mean, even if, even if the spread is, is at its current level, uh, with the reasoning being like, oh, Tom Herman's going to pull a fast one, and Greg Ward's not going to play, and Duke Catalan's not going to play, I still think Houston would beat them by, like, at least 10 points. But I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm learning, I'm having trouble distinguishing what, like, should happen and what will or can, and... Uh, I'm I'm uneasy about it, but I'm I'm still I'm still taking Houston to cover that one. All right, so we'll we'll split on that first one then. Uh, moving on to Friday, we got uh, Baylor, uh, thirty point road favorites going to Rice. Um, yeah, whatever. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> um, yeah, Baylor was not very good against SMU last week, but I think both SMU and Tulsa and the AAC have have made big strides in this this past year and. Uh, two weeks uh, it seems like their, their respective new coaches uh, uh, chad morris in the case of smu uh, phil montgomery in the case of tulsa have surprisingly gotten their defenses pretty good but uh it's still uh it's still hard to explain how seth russell struggled as much as he did in week one but it's also been the, the baylor running game struggled last week too it was yep, like shocking was did too um so I would imagine Baylor does cover this just because Rice got throttled by Western Kentucky, but it's like, I don't know, been been kind of a weird year. Maybe maybe Western Kentucky is just better than Baylor. I, I'm not serious. I don't think they are, but that's by that I just think that Baylor should cover because Rice I think is kind of a total wreck themselves. Like they got, I can't remember who they played last week, but I'm pretty sure they got owned. Um, let's see here. Who cares about Rice? Um, why am I looking this up? Uh, let's see. So last week they played against Army on the road, oh, lost thirty-one to fourteen. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Baylor. If you don't, if you don't cover this one, uh, you just prepare to go like seven and five or something. Yeah, I mean, uh, Baylor. Baylor's the kind of team that's set up to where like we won't really know who they are for a while because I mean the Big Twelve just seems to be so wide open. I mean Texas Tech can 
will continue to score 50 points and lose like every single week. Uh, and, you know, obviously Oklahoma State, uh, they had the upset loss that probably shouldn't have happened. Oklahoma's down, it seems. Uh, you know, they have a chance to get off the mat this week. So, I mean, Baylor just is going to have these, like, easy matchups through the easy – through the, like, the, the field early part is just of the easier than we expected. Yeah, like. so I don't think Baylor's all that good, but I think Rice is, is – about a bottom 10 team probably. Yeah. So I think Baylor really should uh, be able to cover this, even though it is a pretty fat spread. Yeah. Um, then we're going to move on to uh, Utah State that's hosting Arkansas State. Utah State, eight-and-a-half-point favorites here. It doesn't look like Devontae Mays is going to be available. I have to look that up again. But it's it looked like he had a pretty significant ankle injury against uh, USC. So uh, without him, I, it is possible that they've added a new guy or two the last year. Uh, or like this last offseason, who's better than Lawan Hunt. But if they have to go with Lawan Hunt at running back, they're kind of not that safe in this game because he's bad. And uh, Devontae Mays is awesome, so that's a huge drop-off if they don't have him. Uh, nine points strikes me as quite a bit, um, but it is at Utah State. Arkansas State's been a wreck themselves. Uh, like they were, They were great. The last couple of years are, you know, great for, a, great for a program of their normal yearly ambitions. But, yeah, now it's like the expectations were kind of like raised a little bit as a result going into this year. And it looks like they're just terrible. Uh, but, yeah, losing losing 37 points to Auburn on the road isn't that bad. Losing 31 to 10 to Toledo in week one is. So uh, I, I don't think the Utah State defense is like great, but it might be good enough to keep. Uh, Arkansas State smothered as they've been in the first two weeks, so I, I won't. I don't think I'll be approaching this one for my ill-fated uh, spread picks article, but I, I guess I would kind of lean. T- oh man, that's a lot of points though. Because uh, there's a lot of points without Mays. I mean, I think this could be a lower scoring game than we're expecting. I think maybe Arkansas State keeps it like to a touchdown. They might. Uh, it, I guess it's worth mentioning that their defense has been just truly awful in the first two games. And as much as I think Utah State might lack rushing ability, I do like Kent Myers, their quarterback, mm-hmm. and he can put up huge rushing numbers in his own right if he's if they need him to. So maybe that's the way they cover the spread. Uh, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I'm staying away for it for my picks because like, I, I I just have no idea. And then wrapping us up uh, for our Friday. Uh, slate of games. We got UT San Antonio uh, playing host to Arizona State. Arizona State 19 and a half point favorites. So do you think Kalen Ballage gets like 10 or just like six touchdowns in this? Uh, I'd put it at six. Okay. Um, yeah, it looks like the over-under dropped from 61 to 60 and a half. So it looks like uh, those the, sh- the sharp betters are thinking it's only six touchdowns this week for <laughs> Kalen. Um, but yeah, I, I actually like... Uh, one, if the if this year isn't a total embarrassment der, embarrassment for me, it's because uh, I think I had Arizona State as a as an over six wins uh, pick in the the season prop thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they get this one, that would be three and zero, not a bad start. Uh, and uh, yeah, beating Texas Tech was one of the the considerable hurdles in that because like I don't I don't remember what the spread was. I think wasn't they Arizona State favored by like two and a half by it the was time very they get, narrow. But I spread. think it might have opened with anyway. I don't remember. Uh, but yeah, uh, Texas Tech is a pretty dangerous team if only for like if if your defense uh, or if your offense slips up even a single time, like you're never getting that chance back. Right. Uh, so their offense held its own against Texas Tech, which is which is no s- small feat. Uh, Manny Wilkins looks pretty good at quarterback. Ballage obviously had a huge game. I still like Demario Richard a lot, uh, but yeah, Arizona State. Arizona State has deep receivers too, so I think they can. I think they can be pretty dangerous all year long on offense, at least. And do you? I mean, do you think or, uh, UT San Antonio is able to put up any sort of fight here to keep it within twenty? Um, so I'm not. I can't claim familiarity at the moment with Arizona State's defense, but I. Well, it's probably not pretty good considering what happened last week. Although that, I mean, I guess that can that like yeah. you said that really can't happen to most teams. I don't know. I I, I guess I want to probably stay away from the spread if only because it's on the road. Um, UTSA, eh, I don't know. They're probably pretty bad. They lost by eleven to Colorado State. Uh, that um, is pretty bad. Yeah, that's uh, that's bleak indeed. Um, I don't know. I. I could, yeah, I would I would target the over under in this game probably. I'd probably take the over. Yeah, if 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 it's like if if Arizona I don't see Arizona State's offense flailing at all in this one. So no. like if if they don't cover the spread, I think the over is pretty safe. 
Indeed. So that wraps us up for our Friday slate. So now we're a word from our friends at the No Halftime app. You're staring at your weekly fa- fantasy opponent and thinking to yourself, I would love to challenge just one of his players, not his entire team. But your fantasy sports service doesn't allow you to. Now you can on the all-new No Halftime app. The No Half- Halftime app allows you to create individual matchups uh, using players or teams. For example, you can pit Beckham versus Brown, Cam versus Rogers, or even Ezekiel Elliott versus Todd Gurley. Creating a challenge takes seconds, and accepting challenges is even easier. No halftime challenges can be private or public and created for the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, PGA, and other sports. Visit NoHalftime.com for more information and to download the No Halftime app for your iPhone or Android device. Use the promo code ROTOFF16 and receive a 100% bonus up to $25. Real money and fantasy supremacy awaits you. No Halftime, where the fantasy sports season never takes a break. Join today and get started. All right, now we're going to get into our Saturday, the meat of the college football schedule here. Uh, We got TCU uh, hosting Iowa State. We got a lot of games to get through here, but uh, we'll start here. Uh, TCU favored by 24 points at home. Iowa State's been absolutely dreadful uh, to this point. Uh, and TCU obviously coming off a rough loss, a very, you know, kind of knockdown, drag out fight against an Arkansas team, you know, very physical throughout that contest. But I, I think that Iowa State is the kind of uh, just in a, in a, in a state right now of just absolute panic emergency you name it uh, I think TCU is gonna is gonna get some uh, frustrations out from last week I think they are gonna absolutely wax Iowa State I I agree with that expectation I just I don't know about that spread when TCU's defense has been a train wreck uh, like nothing short of that Joel Lanning had a really bad game against Iowa but he was pretty good last year really and week one against northern iowa he wasn't so bad he had he had he had big plays at least he just had two interceptions Mm -hmm. Uh, they lost by five i know that's pretty gross but i just i almost wonder like if if alan lazard alone can keep them in in that game a bit uh if anyone can it's him yeah, uh, on the other hand, I mean, Northern Iowa did lose to Montana last week after beating Iowa State at it's a Iowa letdown, State. Classic letdown game. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, TCU should win this pretty easily, but, man, they, they've they really got some issues right now. They do. They they need to figure out – I mean, they just need to get it to Terp and, and, uh, Taj, and Taj Williams as much as humanly possible. And uh, Kenny Hill could obviously afford to – be a little bit better but I mean I still feel like he's he's due to have a very solid year I I just don't think that I expect much of Iowa State outside of Alan Lazard like you mentioned even uh Warren's kind of off to a to a so-so start uh to the year they're running back so I I think the TCU I know it is a a large spread here but I really do feel confident that TCU is going to get off the mat here a little bit and uh you know get some wind in their sails yeah, that's totally reasonable. I I I might approach that pick uh, in in the spread article, but for, for now, I'm thinking punt personally. Fair enough. Um, we got kind of a weird game here. Uh, really Very weird. Because <laughs> um, we don't know a lot about one of these teams yet. Uh, we got we got Marshall hosting Akron. Marshall, uh, sixteen and a half point favorites over Akron. I feel like that's a lot. It is. Um. It's it's just kind of it's one of those things like Marshall last year had its down year because Rakeem Cato was gone. They had Litton, Chase Litton, the freshman that they were trying to break in. They largely lost their identity because Devin Johnson got He's hurt. hurt. Um, they still were kind of really good for all those things being considered. Uh, they went ten and three. They uh, they allowed only seventeen point eight points per game, and I think that's probably where the spread gets to the point that it is. It's just I think we we expect. We, we don't know what to expect of, uh, I mean, the, the Marshall offense extent. Like, we're not expecting Rakeem Cato days back. But uh, it seems like Marshall's a pretty well, a well-oiled machine at this point. Like, their, their coaching staff does a pretty great job year to year, almost regardless of what kind of personnel they have at the moment. True. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have, like, high hopes for Marshall's offense, uh, especially the running game. Like, they don't seem to really have any standout running backs. But uh, 
the receivers, I mean, they don't they don't have any stars there at the moment, but they they got enough. And Litton seems good. Uh, he he seems quite good. Uh, really experienced offensive line there. I guess it's like the question is like, do you think Akron can be half of what they were in Week One? I don't even remember who they played in Week One, but Tommy Woodson had six touchdown passes after probably having like like twelve all of last year. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's hard to call. It's it is a big spread, but. It is at Marshall. Marshall tends to get a lot of athletes all the time. Like they seem to get like everybody who just like got uh, academically disqualified from admission to like Miami and West Virginia and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if that's why they're they're just like if that means they're just bigger and faster than most mid majors as a direct result of that. Uh, it might it might be the case. Yeah. Um, I I have to look a bit more at these guys before I I, I, I might approach the spread uh, in in the article, but. Right now, I got to stay away, but I do feel comfortable that Marshall will beat them pretty safely. Okay, I mean Marshall, you know they're they're coming off a bye. They are at home, and like you mentioned, they they do kind of uh, tend to get some pretty quality athletes compared to uh, their peers, you know, conference wise and beyond. Uh, Akron obviously coming off a pretty sound beating at the hands of Wisconsin, yeah. uh, where th- you know they they weren't able to to even keep it close. I mean even defensively against a Wisconsin team that I feel like is still I mean they're they're convincing me more every week but still relatively limited offensively you wouldn't expect them to to be able to paste 50 points up there uh, on Akron the way that they did um, to cover that you know 24 and a half point spread against Akron so I am a little bit down on Akron at this point yeah Um, this is something that I'll definitely need to consider a little bit more but Marshall they are fresh they are at home, so you you do kind of have to like those factors. Um, but for season long purposes, I do like Jerome Lane's uh, chances of having a good game because Akron is going to be trailing, and he's just bigger and faster than what Marshall has in the secondary. I looked at their secondary. I mean, they got guys that are five ten, five eleven, trying to stop a guy that's six three. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, br- uh, Bruce Natson from from. Uh Utah State had a had a good game last week, a, a punt return touchdown, and he got open a couple times as a receiver. And Woodson couldn't just couldn't hit him. So, uh, yeah, th- that's that's worth considering, I guess. Is like Akron does have a Natson. they do have Warren Ball, but he's questionable. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's not something that I expect them to keep close. Yep. All right. So moving forward here, we got Rutgers at home, only favored by six against New Mexico. This line smells funny hmm. to me. I don't, I don't understand how, I mean, Rutgers obviously gets trashed on about as much as any of the power five teams, but New Mexico is one of the trash teams of the, of the group of five. And for them to be coming across country, uh, playing at a, playing, you know, at a hostile environment at Rutgers and they don't have Terry and Gibson, their leading rusher. He's out. He's got a head injury. I just think that Rutgers just kind of by virtue has to beat them by more than a touchdown. Yeah, I got to look at more, but uh, New Mexico managed to lose to New Mexico State last week, even though New Mexico State didn't have Larry Rose. Um, That's incredible. They, they did. Oh, man, I don't know. Uh, I think I'm guessing this spread is mostly based on like last year kind of considerations when um, New Mexico was pretty tough last year for some reason. Uh, they lost to Arizona by only eight points in their bowl game. They actually beat Boise State at Boise in uh, November. So I'm guessing that's where this comes from. But I I guess as bad as Rutgers might be, I feel like if uh, – I, f- I, I guess I just feel like Janari and Grant, Robert Martin is a little bit too much talent for that defense to yep. stop enough times. And it's, it's like when in, you're in an – an exclusively almost option offense like New Mexico, it's probably not that hard to just, you know, punt a couple more times than Rutgers, even if it is Rutgers. So I probably will. Yeah. I think I like Rutgers to cover that one. Uh, Janari and Grant's been amazing through two weeks. Uh, and Robert, Robert Martin wasn't in week one, I guess, because of a hamstring he played last week. And right. maybe, maybe this is the setting where he can really, you know, get hot. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, they've been using Grant a little bit as a change of pace. Like, you know, certain situations they give him the ball, you know, on a running play, and he tends to just burn the heck out of whoever he's going against. Uh, He's incredibly shifty, fast player, and he's also extremely dangerous in the return game. Uh, So I think there's a a definite chance for him to be able to uh, 
make some like really big splash plays against New Mexico and kind of help put Rutgers uh, ahead and you know over over that six points that we're looking for them to get to. Um, let's see. Moving on here, we got Bowling Green at home hosting Middle Tennessee State. Middle Tennessee State uh, favored by five and a half. I'll be approaching this, I think, in the spread article to take Middle Tennessee State at five and a half. Uh, Bowling Green doesn't seem right to me right now. Right. They, uh, I don't like the way that their numbers are being distributed, and I think their quarterback, James Napke, might just kind of be bad. Uh, Middle Tennessee, uh, I mean, they got kind of beat up by Vandy last week, but I think there's some insight to be found in how that spread was the same as this one, if I remember right. That's true. Um, and granted, uh, I, don't, I don't know where that game was played. And this it one was is, at Vanderbilt. Okay, so yeah, this, this is on the road too, but it's like, I don't know, Bowling Green's defense at the very least seems to be atrocious. Brent Stock still seems really good. Uh, they got a former Mississippi running back in Atavius Mathers at Middle Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Richie James is nuts. Yep. So uh, proof. I think I'll be going at Middle Tennessee at that five and a half. I do feel very good about Middle Tennessee at this point. You know, to your point about Bowling Green, obviously, you know, it's tough to even keep pace with a juggernaut like Ohio State, at, you know, at the horseshoe week one type of deal. So you give them a pass for getting beat up there. But I mean, they they barely, barely beat North Dakota at home last week. That's not North Dakota State. That's North Dakota. Um, there is a difference. And uh, I just think that, that that's very telling. You know, if they can't uh, boat race or at least win by double digits against an FCS opponent, uh, I think you know they're they're probably in for a pretty rude awakening this time around. Middle Tennessee State quietly does have a lot of talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and bowl, the thing about Bowling Green is like they haven't gotten anything working except this one guy, Scott Miller, who has 188 yards and three touchdowns on nine receptions through two games. Ronnie Moore hasn't gotten going. Uh, Fred Coppett hasn't been able to run the ball. No one else has either. Right. And, and Napke just, I mean, I saw him a lot that year, two years ago when he started for Matt Johnson and, uh, like he didn't look quite as bad as he has this year and he didn't look good at the time either. So I don't know if James Napke probably just doesn't really belong at the FBS level. And it's like his backup is just a freshman and can't really pose a threat at the moment is the only reason why he's in the game. I could, yeah, I would definitely go at middle Tennessee in this one. Right on. So we're in agreement there. Now moving on to probably the biggest game of the week. We, you know, we broke it down a little bit earlier. We got Florida State, uh, two point favorites on the road at Louisville. That is a noon kickoff Eastern time. So we get to kind of start our day off right at the office as opposed to kind of scrounge for uh, whatever we can find. Um, So how do we see this? How do we see this playing out? You know, James James is out for Florida State on on defense, and that's obviously a huge factor because he's not only an impact player in coverage, but he's also a physical enough guy to to come up and and help out and run support. Uh, but Jackson, you know, he's still going to be facing a level of talent and coaching uh, that that he is not. Uh, seen thus far this year Uh, some people have been drawing this annoying uh, Kenny Hill uh, September Heisman type thing to Lamar Jackson have you seen any of this no it's been it's been very it's it's been like on ESPN and in some places it's very almost disrespectful they're not similar even no they're they're not in like Lamar Jackson like you know it's not like he this is his redshirt freshman this is the first we've ever seen of him like he quantifiably noticeably improved late in the season last year and it culminated in a huge bowl game against against Texas A&M like yeah. he's not this flash in a pan that's only going to be good in September and then the schedule gets hard and all of a sudden we forget about him you know he's he's going to be there the rest of the way this year yeah that's just dumb it's like if if um if some like I don't know it just it, it's like we weren't hearing that about like Chad Kelly last year like after right? four games or two games or whatever no I mean Lamar Jackson it's 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 just a weird it's a weird parallel to try to to draw uh yeah, anyway, it's dumb, it's wrong. Uh, with that said, I, I mean, I still will take Florida State to win this one. It's it's funny that I'm thinking twice about a two-point spread, but it's like I guess I might as well take that if I think Florida State's going to win. Um, it's basically, for me, it's like I... I, I I know Louisville has a lot of talent. They do. They have they have one of the I, I know their receivers dropped a lot of passes last week, but I still think they have good receivers. Like Travian yes. Samuel's a really interesting slot guy. Uh Jamari Staples is big. Jalen Smith or Jalen Smith has uh has been pretty good so far the last two years. James Quick was supposed to be their lead receiver the past two years, and he's like barely, you know, 
reliably visible at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like a lot of their plays that they were running against Syracuse seemed very uh, like scrimmage plays. Like they were just they they weren't even really that concerned about the outcome. They were just like, let's see what happens if we do this. And I don't I don't know if I don't know if it's smart to be like taking out all your circus plays the week before Florida State for two reasons. Like now you have no circus plays left. And you weren't practicing your like staple functions, mm-hmm. so um, I don't know that Lamar Jackson will get much going through the air in this game. But I feel like it's uh, it's 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 not like DeAndre Francois on the other side where he has a lot of help. He has a, a, at least as good group of receivers. He has Dalvin Cook, um, and DeAndre Francois has been really good too. I like how he played against Mississippi. He showed a lot of guts. He got hurt, um, still still played really tough through it. Um, even left some plays on the field, but still they got the victory in a, a pretty a pretty tough comeback scenario against a team that just shocked them early. So he he seems pretty good, which is you know far from unexpected, but still uh, Lamar Jackson pretty much has to win this on his own. Like his defense is good, but I don't think it's so good that it'll really you know help him out that much against a team as good as Florida State. Right, so. it's it's probably not better than than Ole Miss's. Uh, I don't think so. Probably not. I mean, it, they got they got like better best players, I would say, but uh, they they gave up quite a few plays to Syracuse, who I think is a good team, but not a team they should have been allowing as many plays to as they did. That's true. Yeah, Syracuse was running a ton of plays last week, but you know that's that's sort of their calling card. Um, and then to your point about about what Florida State has on the offensive side of the ball, I really. Uh, um, I really am impressed by by Francois. I thought that not only was like the touch on his passes and and like, but also his ability to you know kind of put some extra mustard on it was really impressive. But he was a lot faster than I was anticipating. Like you look at him and he's kind of thickly built a little bit, and he can absolutely burn. So that that was like a that adds this yeah, whole other even, element. I, yeah, it's funny. I didn't even notice that. I was just like really impressed with him as a passer. So yeah, he's 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 really good. Um, I I just. Yeah, I don't think that Lamar can do quite so much as on his own necessary to win this against a team that's pretty loaded on the other side. Exactly. And then um, one last uh, you know point on, on Florida State here is that we haven't really seen Dalvin Cook like go off off yet, and that's just a matter of time type of thing. Um, I don't think that he goes for under a hundred yards three straight games to open the season. Yeah. Uh, so this is, this is the week that he's going to be like Florida state's going to lean on it a little bit more, uh, this time around, I, I would imagine. And I think that that cook is going to be, uh, you know, kind of getting back to what we've seen the first two years of his career at Florida state here. So I do think overall that Florida state should be able to win this game. And, you know, obviously that, that spread is thin enough to where it's almost like a pick em. Uh, I'm probably, I am leaning Florida state and you are as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Uh, we got a, I don't know, state of Pennsylvania game again. We got Penn State uh, nine-point favorites at home against Temple. This game sucks. It's I, bad. Uh, I'll take Penn State to win. I don't have any thoughts on the spread. Both of these teams are wacky right now. They are very wacky. Penn State kind of showed some moxie last week after they started getting just absolutely blown out by by Pitt at Pitt, but then made it close, and then, of course, you know, uh, maybe made it close enough to just have an agonizing defeat uh, towards the end there. Uh, we got Memphis... Uh, at home, 20-point favorites against Kansas. We kind of expressed like a smidgen of hope for Kansas last week, and yeah. then it, we, we they returned the favor by getting smacked around at home uh, by Ohio, I believe. So, yeah, I would imagine Memphis should have no trouble here. I kind of like Kansas to cover the spread. Um, just because Memphis, I don't know that they were the very impressive in their first game. They had a bye week since then, but against Southeast Missouri State, they they had a 17 or sorry 18 point victory 35 to 17 the running game got nothing going like Dorland Dorsius their starting running back had 34 yards and 14 carries their quarterback uh who did not make an impact as a runner Riley Ferguson he threw two interceptions had three touchdowns but only 7.4 yards per attempt I don't think Memphis would have been holding back in that game because they have a new head coach and they had a bye week after that. And I yeah. think they, he probably wanted to be like, hey, guys, I'm as cool as Justin Fuente, too. <laughs> um, and I'm not convinced that that's the case. And uh, they they just they, they've lost some players in the past couple of years. And sure. I mean, to be fair, their defense did pretty good in that one. But uh, I don't know. I still I feel like Kansas actually does have some offensive talent. It's just like their defense is garbage. 
Well, you know, I would imagine that Memphis has at least a little bit more talent on the offensive side of the ball than Ohio. I still kind of think that Memphis is able to cover this. I definitely see where you're coming from. I feel extremely icky about it. I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm in reality, I'm not like psyched to pick Kansas. <laughs> um, but you know, it. If we had to pick it, I would lean Memphis. Um, if you know you're just kind of doing a you know three pick parlay type deal, uh, I would avoid this one at pretty much all costs. It's just it's too strange of a line for two teams that really nobody knows enough about to make a, a truly truly educated guess on, in my opinion. Yeah, that's fair. Um, the next game I don't have an immediate reaction to, but it's at Appalachian State. It's the Hurricanes going there. Three and a half point spread for favoring Miami. Uh, my my like stupid, uh, very primitive part of my my more primitive the than brain. the rest of it part of the brain was <laughs> like, oh Miami. Uh, but I I don't know. Uh, they uh, Mark Walton has been crazy so far this year, but right. they've also not really gotten a test, and uh, I don't know what is up with them. I I don't know what like how good the Miami defense is because it looks like Marcus Cox can kind of run on anybody this year. So uh, if that's the case against Miami, I think, I think they basically need to find a way to keep Marcus Cox under four yards of carry and then they can cover that spread. But I, I, I don't know if we're convinced of that. They've only allowed 69 yards rushing through two games. Yeah, they're, average, they're allowing less than one yard of carry, but they're going sex. against that's, that's because uh, of yeah. sacks too. Uh, because like I saw that, uh, what's his name? Um, or maybe not. Driscoll. Uh, I was maybe it's not just sacks. Actually, I'm look, trying to look something up here. Uh, looking up the numbers for Greg Howell, who um, he had 75 yeah, yards rushing, a okay. touchdown, and 19 carries last week. But that was also a, a 28 point victory for Miami. So who knows what kind of defensive personnel he was going against when he got those bigger plays? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my gut still says Miami, but I don't. I'm not psyched about it because Appalachian State already burned me really badly once with Tennessee right I I do think that Miami should be able to to get this done uh Kaya hasn't looked particularly sharp right yet. Yeah. um I think that 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 doesn't stay that way for particularly long uh you know Miami does have these weapons on the offensive side of the ball that um you know they're they're not like the Jalen Hurd Alvin Kamara level but they do have better receivers and, and a better quarterback overall than than what Tennessee has uh Going yeah, for him. I guess I guess I'm interested in just like the, the uh, Appalachian State offense versus the Miami defense because it seems like the Miami defense might actually be like kind of terrifying. Yeah, um, they got ten sacks in two games, and I I know Taylor Lamb's been a great college quarterback, but I don't think he's the kind of guy who's going to just like stand up to that kind of heat right. and maintain composure. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Miami on that one. I give the lean to Miami as well. Uh, let's see. We got Georgia Tech, six and a half point favorites at home against Vanderbilt. I don't get that really. Uh, or maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just being unfair to Georgia Tech, but they, they seem kind of lame. I don't know. They, they are extremely lame. I do, th- <laughs> I do think that they, uh, they get, uh, some, some personnel back that was, uh, suspended from, from last week, but you know. Uh, this is a game that I'm probably avoiding as well. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to. Bottom line, uh, Georgia Tech, like they're they're just fine on both sides of the ball. Vanderbilt, uh, you know, obviously it's kind of a mirage having uh, Kyle Shermer throw for almost 400 yards last week. That's obviously not going to happen against uh, an ACC type he of opponent. He threw for 400 yards. Yeah, he threw for <laughs> like I th- I, th- I thought he did. Okay, I guess I go back on my Middle Tennessee pick from earlier. They're terrible. Um, <laughs> But or that might have been that might be his combined yardage on the year. In which case, oh, okay. never mind what I just said. Um, but I still think that uh, Georgia Tech should should be able to win this game. But I think it's going to be a knockdown drag out, like maybe like twenty four twenty Georgia Tech type deal. Um, and I don't feel particularly great about that either. Right. Uh, I guess. I guess. Like I. I'm. I'm not totally backing off of Vanderbilt. Uh, I'm gonna have to look into this for my spread pick article. But uh, that Boston College was able to put 176 yards on the ground. Um, three point game. I feel like Vanderbilt might be better than Boston College. So uh, I guess I'll just have to try to do my best to verify that before I make any uh, false conclusions. Good yeah. idea. Uh, let's see here. Uh, next we got Idaho at Washington State. I don't know. I, Idaho. There's a lot of points for two stupid teams. Yeah, Idaho like hasn't been able to score at all, but they've been 
kind of overmatched in both their games. Yeah. Washington State has been terrible to start. Mike Leach is, like, having screaming nightmares about, like, unworthy children being handed participation trophies, and it's it's clearly, like, unwinding his mental well-being. Uh, he, he, like, can't t- have a conversation without talking about participation trophies and uh, the soft youth of today, so... Um, I don't know. I guess I guess I kind of expect Washington State to kind of just like give up on that guy eventually, but it won't be this week. Uh, Idaho can't really do anything. And uh, I don't know if if uh, you'd seen these numbers yet, but uh, I've seen that like Luke Falk has has been like just absolutely abysmal uh, once it, once he throws the ball more than ten yards downfield. Oh yeah, which, which kind of uh, I just assumed that was the design of the offense or something. But yeah, they don't throw more than like six yards. Yeah, so I mean that kind of for for your season long purposes, I mean that makes me feel a little icky about like Gabe Marks because I feel like Gabe Marks is so good downfield, and if Falk can't get it to him, uh, I'm starting to starting to probably look at the waiver wire there if I have a bunch of. Uh, Mark's shares, but um, as far as that spread goes, like did, don't don't, don't play that it. don't yeah. play that game. Um, then we got K State twenty two and a half point favorites against FAU. So we we remember my blunder against Stanford and Kansas State in week one. I feel like the 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 low spread thing works both ways with Kansas State. Like they're not going to score enough points because they're too plotting. Like I in Florida Florida Atlantic. I mean, they're they got rocked uh, by twenty eight points by Miami last week. But if 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 Howell can run on, I don't know. I'm not gonna make. I'm probably not gonna make a pick on this one in the spread pick article. But that just seems like a high spread for Kansas State going against anybody who isn't like a bottom third FCS team. Yeah, it's it's like uh, you know anything uh, like thirteen points involving k-state it would be like the maximum range of like any of their outcomes yeah like they need charles jones to break an 80 yard touchdown for i feel like that kind of for that kind of lead to occur because otherwise they're just going to be like let's let's let this clock run down we got no reason to hurry it's second and seven we're cool with this like yep just using the whole play clock every single time uh then we got central michigan coming off that huge upset victory uh hosting unlv uh unlv 13 point underdogs yeah i don't know about this one i kind of like what unlv is doing right now but i i i mean uh, central michigan obviously beat uh oklahoma state last week they do have a bunch of good players their their offense seems like it's probably pretty good generally their quarterback cooper rush good senior quarterback they got a really deep good group of receivers so they should be able to score. It's like the question is like how good is that Central Michigan defense and and how good is the UNLV offense? And I feel like the UNLV offense might actually be quite good. Um, their quarterback Johnny Stanton is this former uh, like Nebraska recruit who's a really good fit for that offense because they have dual threat um, demands of him. They put up twenty one points on the road against UCLA last week. Um, Devonte Boyd is actually one of the best receivers in the country, but yeah, I mean it's uh, it's. It's just kind of scary approaching Central Michigan right now, especially with them being at home. Yeah, that's how I feel too. Um, I, you know, UNLV does have those things going for them, but you know, you'd imagine that that Oklahoma State's offense is better than UNLV's. So for for Central Michigan to kind of like hold that OK State offense in check, you know, relative to to our expectations, that's really impressive. Uh, you can't not. Uh, discount the possibility of a bit of a letdown from them. I mean, obviously they're getting up for that OK State game more than they probably will any other game this year. Yeah, that was know. just a one out of ten thing, I think. But uh, yeah, I'm no that makes me no less certain about any particular thing about this matchup. I guess if I had to do it, I, I will give I will give Central Michigan. Uh, I, I would say uh, for them to to cover that, but I don't I don't feel great about it. This these spreads have been so kind of scarily accurate to start the year at at certain times it's like really hard to to feel super strong one way or the other right now yeah if we can uh, quickly go through uh fresno state uh at toledo toledo is favored by 20 and a half i that seems like a big spread to me but uh i don't Fresno state's so bad though they are pretty bad they got three pretty decent receivers but yeah i I don't know i don't want anything to do with it because i feel like both teams are kind of uncertain at the like we don't know their final forms exactly right now true 
Uh, next one though, uh, it, I it's at Northern Illinois, but I like San Diego State covering by ten and a half because Ryan Graham, the quarterback for Northern Illinois, could not throw the ball last year at all. Joel Buanyo can't run the ball this year. Uh, Jordan Huff might be good enough to get something going against San Diego State, but if San Diego State doesn't have to worry about the pass, I think they can shut down a lot of really good running games. And I don't think Northern Illinois is particularly good right now. Exactly. I think you know maybe some people will take some pause because San Diego State gave so, gave so many yards to to Cal last week, but you know Cal's just like a, it. That offense is just designed to put up a zillion yards, so I mean, that's just going to happen. They had such a recruiting capital advantage, too. And like oh, yeah. last year, they pummeled San Diego State. So San Diego State is either a lot better. I mean, California got worse, of course. Like, Webb is not golf. But um, San Diego State is a good team. Like, they're better than a lot of group of five – or, sorry, uh, power five teams. I agree. So I, I do like them, even though they're, they're double-digit road favorites. Um, next one, uh, Colorado at Michigan. Do you think Michigan wins this by twenty-one? I uh, think they do. <laughs> like probably, I'm get, until the until they show me any sort of mercy or any sort of uh, breaking a sweat. I'm just gonna have to go with Michigan here. I uh, mean, Colorado does look better this year. I will yeah, they do. That, they do, which is I, good to see. I like Saifa Luafau, their quarterback. He's he's underrated, uh, especially for like that program would be just dead in the water without him. And he's he's kind of carried them the last three years very quietly to this point that they're at. Um, but I just don't. I don't. They got a couple of good receivers and uh, Bryce Bobo and Shea Fields, but I just don't think. I, I, I just don't think that going on the road to Michigan is something that they're going to get much traction against. And then even if Colorado's defense is better than it's been, I feel like they're going to just run out of energy in the second half. Um, but yeah, uh, other than uh, the next game, I got to double check this. This doesn't seem right to me, but I know that you're a great copy and paster, John. So don't take it personally. Uh, Oregon is favored or sorry. Uh, Nebraska is favored to beat Oregon by three. It's at Nebraska. I know I, I, I don't know. I don't think I don't think Nebraska's defense can be good enough for this to happen. I don't know why I feel that way, and I, I know I'm, I, there's something I'm missing because the, the spread totally caught me off guard, and Vegas knows a lot more than I do. So, uh, yeah, John, do you have any immediate thoughts? Yeah, I, do, I think that Nebraska is improved on, on the defensive side of the ball. They they are at home, so that, that definitely kind of gives gives me uh, the, the – the the desire to to pick them in this one and Three you know points, I know man. I mean Oregon just like that obviously they're a high flying team uh, they they haven't had a huge test yet it's not like Nebraska really has either though to to be fair Nebraska but, was up seven points going into the fourth quarter against Wyoming last week is that does that make you nauseous at all honestly no I mean if Tommy Armstrong can play the way that he did uh, last week where where he was you know getting it downfield, uh, being relatively efficient by his standards, uh, and not making mistakes. If he can, if he can go ahead and just not, uh, make the killer mistake against the Oregon secondary, then I really do think that Nebraska has a good chance of winning this game. And, you know, at, at that point you'd, you'd imagine they'd win by more than three points. So I know you wouldn't guess this based on like the points allowed for Oregon at this, at this point, they gave up 27 points per game going into this game. Uh, they've allowed, Two passing touchdowns have three interceptions, allowing under six yards per pass. Um, I guess it's the running game where they've been m- more vulnerable, but they're, they're, they've, they've given up six touchdowns in two games, but f- less than four yards per carry. Um, I feel like there's just some kind of asymmetry there, or like a, there's, there's something that doesn't add up, and it could, be, it could give in the form of Nebraska just puts up a ton of yardage and points on them. Uh, I just, oh man, I don't know. I, I, I'm probably going to end up going at Oregon, even though it feels like I'm falling into a bear trap. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I don't know. I, th- I do think Nebraska, this, this, they are looking better to me th- this time around uh, this year. I think, you know, if, if running it is what they're going to need to do to beat Oregon, uh, I don't love any of their running backs on an individual, you know, like Terrell Newby, uh, Divine Zigbo, like they're both fine, but they're not, they're not like the explosive Big Ten backs uh, that we're used to seeing, but I still think that they're like they could cobble enough together to to sort of uh, punish Oregon on the ground. Um, moving on, I guess we got Ole Miss hosting Alabama. Alabama ten and a half point road favorites. I don't know what to think here. Uh, on the one hand, I like Ole Miss to kind of cover in a general sense. They're at home. Chad Kelly type quarterbacks give Alabama trouble. That the, the quarterback who can run off the edge. 
convincingly gets the safety play to to creep up a bit in Alabama, and you seem to be able to only beat them downfield. Like, you don't beat them with slants. It's like you have to break long plays downfield. And right. uh, Mississippi has has tall, fast receivers. Kelly definitely can run if they don't contain right. So it makes sense from that way. It's just like I kind of can – and also uh, Alabama's been doing this quarterback rotation. I think it stops this week. Yeah, Jalen Hurts seems like their quarterback, and I don't, I don't know why they were even rotating last week. And the other thing is it's like I can imagine Saban – just having like this like psychotic uh like just just unacceptance of how they didn't cover the spread last week and how they gave up a touchdown in like the last 30 seconds and like there were a bunch of plays that 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 he just wasn't happy with even though they were pummeling western kentucky all game and it's like that that kind of insane coaching insistence on his part is kind of why they're unbeatable so much of the time uh might manifest in the form of like Ole Miss just doesn't really make this as competitive as they should. I don't know. Right. I mean, you you really kind of have to ask yourself, is Ole Miss's window closed or closing? Um, and, you know, the past two years, obviously, they've been able to beat Alabama. And then, you know, Bama, to your point, they're coming off a game where Saban said something to the effect of, like, that's the worst game uh, we've had. And <laughs> it's like, well, you won by a lot of points, um, just not – by or by a half point less than what Vegas was expecting you to. Yeah, he, and also he kind of like insulted the rest of the conference by saying like Western Kentucky was like way better than every other uh, group of five team or something that the rest of the SEC played the week uh, prior. Okay, and, like, yeah. one of, and that was when uh, Mississippi State lost to South Alabama. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he's a little brother. He just doesn't really care uh, about anything but just choking the life out of every team that he goes against to the fullest extent possible but um i guess if i had to pick a spread in this one i, I would go for Ole Miss to cover because it feels like alabama doesn't have its identity on offense yet and uh, i think that matters in a game of this sort of stakes in this environment especially when mississippi knows what they're going to do on offense like chad kelly he knows what he's doing now so that's true. That's true. I just think that this is the best iteration of an Alabama team that we've seen over the past three years. And, you know, really? that, that, yeah, and that obviously includes last year's team that with Jacob Coker at the helm. I think that Bama's not going to make the same kind of mistakes or have the same kind of fluky stuff happen to them that, that happened last year. I mean, Alabama got down by a lot in that game and they were still able to, to make Ole Miss sweat by the end of it. Um, obviously they don't have Derrick Henry, but they, they do have a good combo of Scarborough and, uh, they haven't Damian really Harris. gotten going though. I, I mean, if you, don't, really if you don't think going, getting 50 some odd points on, on USC isn't getting it going. I don't know. I think that they, I think that they, uh, definitely have the ability to, to really, uh, make Ole Miss hurt for the past two years uh, uh, this Saturday. I think it's going to happen. Fair enough. Um, I don't have any thoughts on Oklahoma State pit. Nope. Uh, it's a six-point spread. I guess I like Oklahoma State to win that, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm questioning what I thought I knew about them. Uh, yeah, I mean, mm, I, would, I would take Oklahoma State uh, at home uh, with, the, with the six points, but uh, that's, that's sort of a game that uh, will kind of get lost in the shuffle. Uh, moving on, we got Syracuse at home. They're fourteen point underdogs at home to South Florida. That South seems... Florida's really good, yes. but I don't know about fourteen points. I, uh, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't think I like the fourteen points. I think I, I think I'd want like thirteen. Yeah, that's that's a bit rich for my blood. So I, I think Syracuse is able to cover that as well. Um, we don't really feel things for Virginia Tech versus Boston College. I refuse to acknowledge that game exists. Okay, very good. Me too. Um, let's see. Illinois, Western Michigan, uh, Western Michigan three-point favorites on the road. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I don't think Illinois has any real explosiveness on offense, but I'm not they sure don't. that they need it because Western Michigan, it's like Corey Davis is infallible. Jamari Bogan is pretty awesome, but they don't have like a third playmaker that they can feature uh without it's like they have good backup running backs like uh levante bellamy's good uh but they they got they got basically like a running back and a receiver who can break plays and i don't know if that's enough to create you know the kind of points that they need uh i don't know i won't be picking that one nope um let's see moving on kentucky versus New Mexico State. Let's Whatever. let's skip that one. Uh, we do have a kind of intriguing one. Sort of, I think what has kind of become a theme for us this year is Eastern East Carolina is sort of like our, our fun group of five team to really talk about a little bit. Um, so they're going to South Carolina. Uh, they are three point 
uh, underdogs on the road. I mean, you, you'd think in most years of South Carolina is getting a ton more love at home. Yeah, uh, so it, I think based on last week, it's safe to say Scotty Montgomery is one of the best coaches in college football right now. Like, he totally out-schemed Dave Doran of North Carolina State, and that's that's the, the outcome that I failed to foresee the possibility of when I thought North Carolina State would win by five points. Uh, Scotty Montgomery basically went all Tom Herman on him and just, like, just his defense swarms. They're, every single player on the field is max motor intensity. Uh, the, the, like, offense wasn't even that good for East Carolina against North Carolina State, but it's like the the the, the moment to moment game management stellar. Uh, they just overachieve in every possible sense. Uh, I'm surprised actually that South Carolina is favored in this one. Like I know their defense is should be able to stand better than North Carolina State's, but they did just get absolutely viscerated, disemboweled by Nick Fitzgerald, um, who was like benched the week before against South Alabama. So I don't know. It feels this just feels like one of those unknowable collisions where it's like we we haven't learned quite enough about both teams to know what's going to happen here. But it's like I don't want to approach it. I want to pick East Carolina just because I don't think Will Muschamp is that great of a football mind, and I don't think South Carolina is very talented. Uh, but yeah, who knows? Uh, Vegas knows more than me. Yeah, I'm, I would I would go East Carolina here. I really do think they're they'll be able to pull off the upset. South Carolina, obviously. Uh, just coming off of just a, I don't even know what they were doing on defense against Mississippi. Like if Muschamp can't keep a guy who is benched for Damian Williams from running uh, 190 yards on him from the quarterback position, what is, what can he do against a Scotty Montgomery? Like Dan Mullen is not a great schemer. Like he's not anywhere near Scotty Montgomery's level. But anyway, um, so yeah, uh, we're not going to do Eastern Michigan, Charlotte. Please whatever. no. <laughs> uh, North Carolina State is dead to me. Um, yes. So they're I don't I don't know if they might cover twenty one and a half against Old Dominion, but who knows? Uh, Georgia Southern twenty five and a half against Monroe. Uh, that actually seems a little high just because they run the clock out really fast and they've not really like Matt Breda is not humming, which is weird. Like he's got he's at like four yards to carry after yeah, two games. Shocking. One fifth of his normal yearly average. <laughs> yeah. Um, Navy Tulane is too gross. Um, too many rushing attempts. Uh, Louisiana Tech is only uh, or Texas Tech is only favored at home over Louisiana Tech by ten and a half. That feels weird to me. It's one of those things that makes me like not trust my my initial reaction. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, I would imagine that they're, that they're able to cover that, um, but Louisiana Tech obviously has made people uh, sweat in the past. You know they they almost beat Arkansas to start the year off, but. Um, I think Texas Tech should be able to cover that. That's yeah, I generally agree. Um, Mississippi State is supposed to lose by 14.5 at LSU. I think Cam Cameron is like the biggest joker in college football at this point, so I'm not confident in that at all, especially if Fitzgerald can run on a must-champ defense. Um, but, yeah, 14.5 is a lot for a team that's going to be starting a guy who got benched at Purdue. For for a guy who also got benched at Purdue, like it, you know, it was Danny Atling who got benched for Austin Appleby, who was eventually benched for David Blau, who threw five interceptions against Cincinnati. Yeah, it's like this whole like r- Russian nesting egg of terribleness that that has come out of there. It's getting me just ill. Um, <laughs> anyway, I think I could like Mississippi State to cover that. I think uh, Texas A and M is supposed to lose at Auburn. Which no way. I kind of believe it. I don't think Texas A&M's offense is very good, but uh, I don't know. I'm not – I don't have a side in that one. I can't come up with anything. Uh, I remember, you know, Auburn being favored by a zillion points two years ago against A&M, A&M coming in there and beating them. I think A&M uh, – you know, this is this is a huge – this is a game that, like, we talked about before the season as far as, like, two coaches on the hot seat. Um, A&M obviously kind of got off to the right start by by beating UCLA. I think they should be able to to beat Auburn here, so I, I'm gonna, I'm going to roll with them. Fair enough. Uh next one, Michigan State plus 8 at Ordinary. I'm going D'Antonio. I don't I don't think They just they just never up. get blown out. I don't like, think D'Antonio goes plus 8 against anybody. No. no it's, it's, I mean like <laughs> Anywhere. Pr- pretty much last year is Alabama is the only team who can do that to them, I think. Yeah, that's it. That's it and that's all. And then, you know, the Brian Kelly effect will certainly help uh lock that in. Right. Um do we like 
like Ohio State to cover one and a half at Oklahoma? I do. Absolutely, I do. Okay. I, I don't think Oklahoma is is uh, going to be going home very happy on Saturday. Fair enough. Um, yeah, Georgia at Missouri. Missouri's weird. Their defense hasn't been that great this year. They had big volume in the passing game last week, but I still think they're terrible on offense. So uh, I like Georgia to cover, if only because it's like I, I think Eason kind of gets his his feet a little steadier in this one, and I think Chubb gets more opportunity as a result. Right. You know, two years ago, that was when Chubb sort of had his huge coming-out party as a starter. It was at Mizzou. Uh, Georgia was able to kind of beat up on him pretty good. Missouri still has a has a solid defense. I know that, you know, like you said, they haven't played quite up to expectations thus far, but, it's. I mean, I have a hard time trusting Georgia right now. That's fair. And, they, you know, that could be the bias. Weird. I mean, they almost lost to Nichols uh, at home last week. They were looking ahead. That's the, that's my narrative or whatever. Um, I like your narrative better than mine, which is that they're not. Nichols is good. better. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm trying to say here. So, man, this is this is a one of the I will take games. I will take the six and a half for Georgia personally. All right. Well, that makes me feel better about it. I'll, I can just I'll, see it being I'll, like a seven to zero game. Like, yeah, and last year was nine to six. Good. I yeah. mean, it, it was. Yeah, Drew Locke is not going to have that kind of success uh, this week as he did against Eastern Michigan. Uh, we got rounding us out here. We got two quick ones. We got Stanford eight and a half point home favorites against USC. I think they're able to get that. I don't. I'm surprised it's that high. Like uh, maybe the USC defense just is worse than I thought. Um, but I. I I guess I'll go with that just because I, I think USC's offense is a mess and I think their coach lasts like three more weeks. Yeah, and, and uh, Ronald Jones, one of their better offensive weapons, banged up. He's got a rib thing. Ooh, okay. So that makes me feel a little bit worse about uh, Southern Cal. And then we got, uh, wrapping us up for the, the day, we got Cal uh, hosting Texas. Texas eight-point favorites on the road. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I kind of I kind of want to take Texas, but I'm like, I can't tell if I'm giving charlie strong defense too much benefit of the doubt like he's his defense hasn't been as good as i expected it to be and like maybe that can happen again in this case uh but i think california is not that good and i i think shane bukulele is pretty real so i i I really like the texas offensive talent a lot me too i think yeah texas should be able i mean if they want to be a lot i mean they can just be physical they don't even need to throw it that much i mean uh Semi St. Juiced was able to run all over Cal. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in eight points for Texas. Davis Webb is a fraud. Load up. Here we go. Load up the 18 wheeler (laughs) and let it rip. Uh, So that was our Wednesday college football podcast. Podcast brought to you by the No Halftime app. We will see you again this time next week. They're gonna kill the love of my life if I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.